0: You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the
1: nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and Beyond. This episode number 291. We're discussing What If Season Finale MCU News and Fan Dome hype. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Carlos. The buffet of nerd continues to deliver here, guys. We are talking about so much nerd news. We go through these ebbs and flows of the intensity of nerd news, but there's always something there. But then comes weeks like this where we're going to question about how much content we can actually get through in an hour and a half or so we're talking. What if season finale, we saw the last episode of that nine episode arc that spanned the nine weeks of the MCU on Disney plus we're going to break some of that down. Some of our favorite moments talk about maybe somewhat of the interconnected story that we see evolve out of the last few episodes. We're also going to touch on the MCU as a whole with, some potential news and rumors coming out of soft reboots of characters we saw in Netflix series jumping back into the MCU, whether or not they're using the multiverse or just pulling those characters in a bit more naturally through some of the TV shows. Add a Warlock, a big, big character coming out of the cosmic end of the Marvel comics, which was teased at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, has been cast and confirmed by none other than the Suicide Squad director, James Gunn. And we're also going to touch a little bit here, guys, on DC. Now, there's this small virtual convention coming up that we're all immensely hyped for. It's Fandom Version 2. What do you want to call it? Fandom 2? I don't know. Fandom Returns. Fandom Returns. Perfect. There it is. The goddamn Batman himself. So we're going to be injecting some hype. If we can even fit any more into it, we're going to be pumping up some of the late announcements here, and potentially speculating on what's to come and and throwing out what our favorite thing is going to be. And Carlos, is is it that Batman trailer that they dropped, that they confirmed last week that it's happening with a post-DC fandom trailer stinger?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know it is for you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, heck yeah, man.
1: Heck yeah. I am stoked. So guys, we got a lot to run through, and we're going to pick it all up. In this week in nerd. All right, guys, here we are this week in nerd. It is our new segment here in the nerd room where we break down the latest and greatest from the world of nerd. And we're not going to jump right into the MCU, guys. As much as I want to do that, we're going to take a pit stop in another franchise just very, very quickly, ever so quickly here. And that is Ghostbusters Afterlife. That movie is coming at us in just a short few weeks, November 11th at Hiss Theatres. And I'm going to make all the efforts to see that opening weekend, something I have not done for any other movie to date. But this past weekend at New York Comic Con, there was a big panel there with the cast, and the 2,000 fans that were in that panel got to see the movie in a very similar fashion they did, I believe, at CinemaCon a month or so ago. So there's a whole bunch of people that have seen the movie, And the early reviews coming out of it are exceptional. Talking about the positivity of it, the emotion, the nostalgia, the setup for what is going to be a future in the franchise, the score, everything seems to be on point here. Now, I'm going to come at it with a little bit of the caveat that there's 2,000 fans that saw this movie in a surprise showing. So it is going to be overwhelmingly positive overwhelming positive, even emotional experience. But Troy, does it excite you a little bit to hear that Ghostbusters Afterlife is getting a lot of positive buzz at the moment?
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. You know, it's really cool to hear the reaction coming out of CinemaCon, um, like you mentioned about a month ago. And then now hearing these 2,000-plus fans are raving about the property, which is good, even though it is fans. I mean, that we we know, being the Star Wars guys, that fans can mm-hmm. be the hardest uh, <laughs> yes. critics out there. So to hear positive reviews coming from these guys, that's important because... Um, i'm I wasn't the most thrilled about this movie before it was on my box office um, mm-hmm. I don't know what you want to call it um predictions before um. But the hype's been going, and my fandom for for Ghostbusters has kind of come back, and the CinemaCon experience, and the action figures, and all that stuff. So, so I'm there. I, I'm really looking forward to it. And you know, what's really cool too is seeing the merchandise really pop out mm-hmm. now this time around. Like, especially with like the Afterlife, like um, equivalents to like the Marvel Legends Black Series. I can't remember what that line's yes. called, but uh, seeing those guys out there, you know, the merchandise is really what makes me kind of feel like the movie is close and real. And uh, I'm excited just for the Ghostbusters community as a whole Mm -hmm. because I, I, I didn't mind the last one that came out. But I feel like everybody is on board with this one because we do know that the continuity is continuing after part two. Yes. So um, it's exciting times, man. It's, it's It looks like a different kind of take, too, from what we've seen with the trailers. And you mentioned that score. And I remember we were getting, like, that Force Awakens kind of vibe off that first mm-hmm. trailer. And uh, something special, man. So I, I am excited. I'm excited for this one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love the way you put that there about how you're excited for the fan base, like the people that have been waiting for this film for 30 some odd years, like a true follow up to Ghostbusters 2. And you and I have been in this fandom, but not in the fandom, if you know yeah. what I mean, right? Yeah. We've been on the periphery of it. You know, we've been in Star Wars and Marvel, and that, you know, in the trenches in some of those cases. But mm-hmm. I love to see that that fandom is not only getting that movie, but also embracing a whole new set of people. Uh, or us coming back to it, which is which is really cool. So, Carlos, is this a an opening weekend for you? Has has a fan bit you hard enough?
2: Oh yeah, like definitely. Like Ghostbusters, we've always been partial to it in our house, and then the addition of uh, good old Finn Wolfhard to that cast, I think, <laughs> has put it to the top of the priority for a few of the young ladies that uh, live here. So, yeah, I'm sure it'll be out there, and I, I think it'll be a banger. <laughs> like the fact that they're showing the movie. Uh, both to critics and to that group of fans and that the embargo is already off. It goes to show Mm -hmm. that they're pretty happy with uh, how the film turned out and they're confident in what they have. So yeah, I'm I'm stoked to see this one. So bring it on, man. Mm -hmm. I'm going to answer the call. (laughs) the story of two different embargoes with sony over the last couple of weeks that's right with their
1: venom film and (laughs) ghostbusters afterlife if you haven't heard our venom review by the way venom let there be carnage head back one episode there's a particular line that has seemingly caught fire within the community and it comes from the goddamn batman there so that's a tease we're gonna leave So, go check that out. Well, the other last thing here on Ghostbusters is I walked into Marty's the other day and I saw a figure, a plasma series. That's the six inch scale there, Troy. A character called Podcast. And I now have this serious regret for not buying it. And so, if it's still there, Marty, I know you don't listen, but it's still there. I'm coming to get it tomorrow.
2: You got (laughs) it. What does this This character
1: look like? What's this? this It's one of the little kids. (laughs) okay, cool cool yeah cool, yeah. cool. His name's podcast. I was like sweet. that's hey, a nickname of course, but love it <laughs> <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> seems so fitting and appropriate and I do not know why I didn't pull the trigger on it. <laughs> anyways, we will see that that's maybe be chronicled the bit in the the plastic regret next week when we talk when I go there and it's not there. But let's move on to the MCU. Ghostbusters is going to continue to, to find its way into the podcast over the next coming weeks, especially in the lead up to Ghostbusters Afterlife. But now we got to switch gears over to the MCU because I think after this week, the next few weeks are going to be pretty DC-centric because of everything we got in, everything we got coming up. So we got to get in our MCU talk for the next couple of weeks right now. I want to start off with Carlos's favorite character, one of your favorite characters. And that is Daredevil. Lots of rumors going around about this character, particularly the one coming out of the Netflix series with Charlie Cox in that role. There was some rumors and conjecture online about a week or so ago that a lot of that cast, including Charlie Cox, is gonna find their way into the MCU through a spin-off show from the Hawkeye series, which is gonna be called what's just called Echo. So a character that you're gonna see debut in that. We're actually gonna see more of that. Daredevil cast move into that show, and it acting somewhat as a bridge between the MCU and the Netflix series. And Carlos, you and I talked a couple weeks ago when we talked multiverses about the concept of soft reboots. Is taking those characters, your Luke Cage or Daredevil, the the real fan favorites from those Netflix series, and essentially bridging them over to the MCU with minimal work. It is an easy avenue in where you can pick up and tell different stories. So do you see this coming to light or are we just too excited because of the multiverse because the rumors of Charlie Cox being in No Way Home and has this sent us down a Mephisto path or a WandaVision path where we've opened this Pandora's box with all these potential characters enter the MCU just because the MCU multiverse is open, it's wide and we just want to see everything in at once? Yeah,
2: I don't know. I'm really, really truly of two minds on this because like, I love, love, love kind of watching the episodes twice in a week um, level, that Daredevil series on Netflix. Like, I just adored it, loved everything they did, the vibe, the tone, Charlie Cox in the role. But part of me really wants to see the ground-up version mm-hmm. out of the MCU, like what Kevin Feige would do with it, like D.D.'s Dee origin and the stuff with his father is pretty unique and it's really cool and something that they could build on and like Netflix certainly planted the seeds for it but I'd love to see the MCU version of that so that uh, that's something that's kind of in the back of my head but at the same time you've got a pretty special casting in Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock and Wilson D'Onofrio's Kingpin is beloved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do hope if they bring anybody else in that they bring the fellow that plays Foggy Nelson because he yeah. nails that role. He's awesome. Yeah, he, he is great, and the two of them have just such great chemistry. So if I get those three, I'm, I'm totally happy with it. And if Echo is going to be a backdoor um, access to the Netflix version of the Daredevil characters, or if Hawkeye is going to be a backdoor pilot for the Echo show, it's a pretty smart way of doing it because she's like Wilson Fisk's adopted daughter in in a lot of ways, and she's got a pretty strong relationship to Daredevil. So if your MCU audience gets introduced to her and then she's kind of your um, your cornerstone for whatever they do with their soft rebooted Daredevil, that could work too. Um, either way, I, I'm here for it, man. Like, I I just love Matt Murdock, man. Like, mm-hmm. I'm 25 issues in about reading the story where you just kicked the guy the wrong way and I'm loving <laughs> every panel of it. So, yeah, just bring it whatever way you can. So... I'm happy either way. And yeah, I got to say where there's smoke, there's gotta be fire. So a little bit, yeah, a little bit. It's, it seems a bit too much and
1: how well those, well, for the most part, those series were received, even into your Punisher. You got John Bernthal starting to whisper about things about the Punisher and how he would like his character formed inside of the MCU and, and remaining true to what they've done in Netflix. And so I don't know. It's interesting that you say where there's smoke, there's fire. There's been a lot of this conjecture recently. Now, Troy, is this a missed opportunity if the MCU don't take a stab at this? Or is it a missed opportunity for the fans that we don't get to see another version, another take, a Kevin Feige take, if you will, on this? You've experienced several Spider-Man reboot over Mm -hmm. the last decade or so. And we're not that far out from Daredevil or Luke Cage or, or Punisher, for that matter. Is this, is this something that they need to do just to make it easier? Or are we going to miss out not seeing a, a, re, a re-stylized or a different take on these characters inside of the MCU proper?
0: Yeah, man. I'm simple, man. I, here, I mean, for me, I think if it's not broke, if it's, if it's not broken, don't fix it. I feel mm-hmm. like what they did in the Netflix universe was perfect with that character. I feel like Daredevil is probably... In my opinion, one of the top five best books right now that Marvel's putting out there. I think is on an all-time high, and I feel like you keep running with that lightning. You go with uh, Charlie Cox's Daredevil, Matt Murdock. You, you literally just input him in there. I think the Netflix tissue of what they were doing there with those threads mixed perfectly with the MCU. So it's not so much of a hard stretch as if you were to bring in like that mm-hmm. Fox X-Men universe. The groundwork's pretty much already there. You already had the Ben Affleck Daredevil, which, you know, people had their opinions on. And technically, we had the Netflix universe to go a third time and restart the character. I feel like you, I just don't feel like you really need to. You don't really have to put that work in. You can easily put them in there, especially if you have that vibe of what we're going for with the um, the Hawkeye series. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's already set in Hell's Kitchen somewhat, too, I think, that show. Um so I think I'm all in for just just bring me back Charlie Cox, bring me back that Kingpin, um, mm. the Bullseye, that whole universe, man. I really think it can work. Yeah. And I mean, Carlos brought up a good point too last time, I think is a while back and his off air about how the Punisher might not necessarily work in this world. And I'm fine with that. If you're to take out Berthal because of just what the Punisher represents, I'm totally cool with that. As much mm-hmm. as I love Berthal's character. But I just want this Daredevil in this world, and I really feel like it's just a—it's an easy fit more than anything, more than bringing in a Spider-Man, more than bringing in the X-Men characters. I feel like this one just fits so perfectly, so I'm—I'm yeah. uh, I'm there for it.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you guys too. I think this is an easy pull, Cox, in. I don't even think it has to be multiverse stuff. Yeah. I think he just can insert in—he was always there. Yeah. He was just doing X. He got snapped away. Boom. There's your explanation why you haven't seen Daredevil in any significant way. There's enough hints even in that Netflix series to the forming of the Avengers and everything that's been going on that it all makes sense. I don't think you need to, to ground floor Scorched Earth, this property. When you have such a great foundation underneath it, and d'onofrio as kingpin, that seems like a another very easy one to pull in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I don't think we need to, to waste any time. And this doesn't stop them from going back and retconning a few things if they really want, or or tweaking histories, or like you said, Carlos going and telling more story about his father and all that. There's room for all of that. It, it can be done, and you know we we they have the capacity to tell this story now inside of Disney+, Plus, which they didn't have that capacity to do something with Daredevil on this scale and in that universe before without him being live action.
2: Yeah. Well, and the other thing with Daredevil too is he's just so low-key and low-profile that it's no surprise that the Avengers haven't heard of this guy running around in his black pajamas, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. just is what it is.
1: Yeah, and you can forget things. You can forget the Defenders if you really want. That was, you know, a a bit more fantastical than some of the daredevil proper stuff and just run with it i i I really honestly think that they're going to do this i think we'll see cox at some point we'll see d'onofrio for sure foggy nelson they all seem like like it it, it's just easy right it's Mm -hmm. it's very accessible it is a cult fan service if you're bringing them in but why not bring in beloved characters right they're not battling against recasts and oh this guy was better blah 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 you know what i mean yeah so it's uh they saved themselves a lot of headache there
0: <laughs> and we we need a wilson fisk in the mcu man oh like, yeah we really really do man that would just be amazing worth it yeah. alone yeah oh yeah
1: <laughs> speaking about casting let's jump over to the cosmic side of the mcu the forthcoming guardians of the galaxy volume 3 being directed and written by james gunn the writing process has begun he's been sharing stuff on Instagram through his social platforms, when he's not talking about Peacemaker, the Suicide Squad, he's talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. One busy man developing two big parts of DC and Marvel. Now, a character that has been rumored and was teased at the end of Volume 2 uh, being included in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, a mainstay in that cosmic, in that Guardians of the Galaxy universe, is Adam Warlock. Now you remember the cocoon at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? presumably Adam Warlock is inside of that. Now this is a big character that's been designed in the MCU at least to take out the Guardians of the Galaxy. We have a casting and a a casting that kind of threw me a bit. It was out there. It was rumored. Deadline had picked up on it and James Gunn just came out and said, look, I'm all about taking down false news, but I'm actually going to confirm this because it's actually true. So an actor by the name of Will Poulter. So he's a kid from... we are the millers he's the the young boy in that he's in the maze runner kind of the awkward looking kid he's in i think black mirror maybe he's in all kinds of stuff the revenant but not the kid that you would pick to be adam warlock like i think he's grown a bit since some of those films but a little bit of a, a choice that isn't obvious but if you see Adam Warlock from the comics, long golden locks, has an appearance to him. He needs to have a presence to him on the screen. I'm I'm here for it. I trust in James Gunn 100%. Look what he did with the Suicide Squad and look what he's done with Guardians. But this casting's a little different me. Google this kid, and Adam Warlock isn't what jumps out at you will be my first and only statement on that. Carlos or Troy? Troy, you're laughing a bit here. What's your take on this kid and Adam Warlock from what you know about Adam Warlock and the necessity for him to be kind of omnipresent on the screen? He's gotta carry a bit of weight to him.
0: Yeah, you know, you know, for me, when I saw and heard this casting, it it right away I was kind of a little baffled. Um and I don't want to go in or hard because, like you mentioned, like James Gunn, I trust. Um, I wasn't the biggest believer in the Suicide Squad project, um, the new one. And once I saw the film, saw the character development. I was like, okay, like this guy already proved himself with Guardians, but now I'm like completely trust him because The Suicide Squad was actually still to this day, it was my favorite theatrical release this year in the comic book form as, as a film. So, I'm there, man. I'm completely there for it. But when you do look at the character, you look at the actor, um, I still get the vibes of the Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe because that's when I was first introduced mm. to him. And I love that series, the books and the original BBC show. So when I saw him, I was like, oh, this guy. And then he grew a lot in The Revenant. And then he grew, like, crazy amounts in Detroit. And in Detroit, he plays kind of like that dirty, crooked kind of cop. So his acting chops are there. But just the portrayal and the person well and what we see from him, because he has like a unique kind of face, right? Like the eyebrows mm-hmm. and his, his piercing kind of lips. It's it doesn't scream Adam Warlock, you know, like like um a Robert Pattinson even in his heyday would be like, okay, like I could see that being or like a, a younger Brad Pitt. Like I just feel like that is like your your kind of the look you're going for, but mm-hmm. maybe that's too easy, right? We've seen some weird kind of choices before and it's and it's worked. So like I mentioned before, in James Gunn, I trust, but it wouldn't be my first pick, that's for sure. So I would, uh, I'd like to see where they're going to go with this character, especially when we look at the, um, that species, Tim, you know, but that, that golden species that we see in oh, the it's Guardians. Just... Um, yeah, it's, it's the Sovereign. The Sovereign, right? And I, I feel like they have like that kind of godlike presence yes. to them. And that commanding presence. So I I want to know that like, can he kind of capture that? Because it looks like in the MCU they've set up that these guys have something to do with the uh the cocoon that they kind of set up, right? Because in the in the comics, he's had like two kind of origins, like one's yeah. like the humans create him on earth, and he had the soul stone in his head and mm-hmm. whatever, and mm-hmm. then, then he they kind of reconed it with the cocoon. So um I'm there for it. Um, does it really excite me? No, I just I'm just glad that we're finally getting Adam Warlock. But again, it's James Gunn that's going to carry this whole ship for me, and he's a character's director. He look what he did with Batista, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, if he could do that, he can do anything.
1: Yeah, you remind me of the Sovereign, and <laughs> I wasn't thrilled with those characters in right. Volume Two. I'd say that there's probably like the weakest point. It mm. came off like too goofy at the end, especially when yeah. they had like that big arcade and they're doing. All... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a... I want Warlock to be. If if this is James Gunn's and I know the temperament of James Gunn and the way he puts together films probably doesn't fit this bill, but I want almost this to be like a very dark third act for Guardians. Mm. And I want Warlock to be at the forefront of that that darkness and that it is a bit of a, a swap over from I think Guardians one has like a really great tone. Guardians two goes a bit more comedic, and I want this third act to be darker. Even if you go into the darker comedy, and I want Adam Warlock to be the one that ushers that through, mm-hmm. and you even talking about the the growth in that that kid, the actor, mm-hmm. like okay, I can dig this, right? If he can, if he can be shown a proper way, my my fear is that it's like we're gonna go goofy with this, mm. and the yeah. So Carlos, you got you got a, you got an opinion
2: here. <laughs> it's funny that you use that word because it's like yeah, I know Adam Warlock really well like having collected those books like warlock and the infinity watch and Mm -hmm. whatnot coming off of um uh the infinity gauntlet saga but uh yeah i don't honestly have a strong opinion one way or another and as you guys talk through it and with talking about the sovereign and just how they kind of had this um heightened glamour aesthetic to them and stuff If he's gonna be their champion, spinning out of uh, Guardians Two, Will Poulter and those like plump kissable lips kind of fits the bill. So I don't don't know, man. Like the 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 dude and his lips, like I love him. So um, (laughs) sure, bring it on. We'll we'll see what happens. Like I I I gotta trust James Gunn after the Suicide Squad. So yeah, let's see what happens, and I'll make up my mind later. I don't have a strong opinion on warlock or polter or anything it's just uh those lips don't lie man
1: (sighs) they don't man
2: they don't no and we got a
1: long way till we see this movie may 5th of 2023 do we see anything probably at least a year before we see anything from filming on this may see a little leaked of what warlock's gonna look like and all that but interesting to see that we're gonna get a full-fledged full-form warlock in here You know, maybe or maybe not the antagonist. Who knows what we're going to see here. But interesting to see that, you know, James Gunn, he's a guy that's very open, honest, and and willing to share with his audience, which I think makes his movies really engaging. Very successful on the Suicide Squad portion of this about bringing in the fandom. And a term we like to use a lot is controlling the narrative. That's exactly what James Gunn did. He didn't sit on this and let people speculate for months, weeks, days, whatever. He just said, yeah, this kid is Warlock, and here we go. That puts an end to that. <laughs> so let's stay with the MCU guys here. Let's get into our, our what if discussion. Now, this animated series, the first of its kind from Marvel Studios and of course being on the platform of Disney Plus, we've seen a lot of series already come out this year. Three to be exact in WandaVision, Falcon, the Winter Soldier and Loki, this being the fourth year. And the animated style is new for Marvel Studios. new for me for consuming a a long-running show or series outside of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, last Marvel animated venture I really watch with any sort of anticipation. And I use that word loosely because with What If, these nine episodes, I personally, being the MCU guy here, I had a hard time getting into it. I would go in a little fits and spurts. I'd watch a couple episodes and then three or four episodes build up and I'd sit and do that. By the time I got to the end of this, though, the last episode was the only episode I watched on the day of debut because I was interested to see what the story or how it concluded. So, Carlos, break down a little bit about what if. We have talked about what if for quite some time. We talked about the first couple of episodes. We gave our initial reactions to the concept, to the idea about what they're putting here. We've seen this multiverse idea really explode over the last little bit with what we're seeing, not only in What If, but also all the stuff from No Way Home and everything that we've even talked about over the last couple of weeks about this concept really exploding in the here and now with most of our comic book movie universes. So how does What If or how did it all land with you from beginning to end? And check out your favorite episode and there are any thoughts or or concepts that you you really enjoyed or potentially did enjoy about this one.
2: Yeah, for me, it was it was it was just okay. Like it had its special moments, and there was uh, little bits of it that I really loved. But um, there was just something kind of unrefined, and I, I think I used the term infantile with the humor and whatnot when uh, we first kind of touched on the show, and and that really dragged it down in a few spots for me, where it would just be so silly, it would kind of rip you out of what they were trying to do and whatnot. But at the same time it's not something to get too worked up about. Like it, it, the barrier for entry is zero because hmm. it's just showing up on my Disney Plus and it was a, a nice bonus to kind of bridge the gap between shows and whatnot. And and most of the episodes had something special that I really liked or a couple of cool moments and, you know, why not? So um, I did like it. I Having it build to uh, uh, a conclusion that drew from all the episodes was really cool, but I also think it hurt it because it kept them, it probably kept them away from taking really big swings with a couple singular episodes Mm -hmm. that were going to be completely self-contained and whatnot. And that was part of the beauty of what if the comic book was that some of those stories got pretty bleak uh, just because they didn't have to take the narratives anywhere type of thing. But uh, yeah, overall it was all right. Uh, The Black Panther killmonger episode remains my favorite um to this day I, I thought it was by far the strongest one and had the best uh character work in it and and i, and I loved how they basically played two of my favorite movies off each other in mm-hmm. iron man one and and the original black panther movie so yeah that's kind of where i'm at with it i uh i like it, it was a, kind of a b minus type of enterprise for me and yeah looking forward to more
1: yeah yeah what about you trey if I can pull a little bit from what Carlos was saying there. I was a bit surprised that that this became a connected story. And on the inverse of what Carlos was saying, I actually found that more engaging with it mm-hmm. and a little unexpected. And why didn't I expect the MCU would eventually <laughs> all cross over <laughs> together? I don't know. I thought this was going to be singular stories and I was liking that. But I found myself more and more engaged once we got to the end of that Thor episode and it was like a tease mm-hmm. for what was coming. And then you have this bigger... Ultron, Infinity sort of story. So same questions to you. What did you like about this from beginning to end? And how did you feel about yeah. where we were left? And and toss out your favorite episode. Yeah, you know, I
0: thought this was really cool. And it actually surprised me how much I ended up liking it. Because growing up as a kid with the comics, the the what ifs were kind of always like on the back burner for me. I was always about like the mainline 616. Mm-hmm. And so when we got to this MCU take on the what if. I'm one of the guys, like, right away, the first episode, like, the Peggy one, I loved it. I absolutely yeah. loved it. And then I know, like, it didn't take as many crazy what-if liberties as going somewhere completely different because it pretty much mm-hmm. was beat for beat, uh, first first Avenger. But um, episode two came along, and I was like, this is cool. And for me, I surprised because I thought that episode was the final send-off for Chadwick Boseman. But I was surprised to see how much he was actually involved in this show. And... Mm-hmm. um it really took a turn for me. Like I thought it was going to be an anthology kind of film or series, but to see them all together or um, combined was really something for me. But f- the highlights for me was like the doctor strange. I thought that tone and the seriousness of it all. And, and um, what they really did with that character was fantastic. And then the zombie one turned out to be my oh, favorite. I love,
1: I love the zombie. Loved,
0: one. It is my favorite <laughs> one. And I'm not the biggest zombie guy, but that one for me had like the stakes and it had my guy shiny and all of his glory. Uh, Pete <laughs> and um, I, I absolutely love that. And you know it's, it's funny? Like um, Bruce is my guy, but the the T'Challa one, well, the Killmonger one was one of my most anticipated episodes, and it turned out being one of my most like lackluster ones for me. So it's 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 so funny about that disconnect. But all in all, the animation was something that was kind of weak for me in this whole series. Sometimes it really worked, and sometimes I was like, like. Like that 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 episode, for instance, the Killmonger one. I was like, "Wow!" Like they nailed Michael B. And then when you look at Tony, it looks nothing <laughs> like Robert Downey. Yeah. It was so weird how they could do that. And same with like Peter, like they. It looked look nothing yeah. like Tom Holland, but then they could go somewhere else. And it's like, okay, like that's hope. So it was really weird how they, um, they went about that. But then again, like the connecting tissues, the Thor episode turned out to be like a, one of my favorites as well. I thought that was great. And seeing him and Captain Marvel do like some Dragon Ball Z yeah. fighting. I was like, this is cool. Like I just, I just really had a blast with it. And, um, I don't know if it's because I kind of had like lower expectations, but when it comes out of like all these MCU shows, like it's, um, it's 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 kind of high. It's kind of high for me, and I just I loved seeing where they went with like the Watcher, and then seeing the ultimate um, was it the Vision slash um, yeah
1: Ultron Ultron.
0: I thought that was just uh, really something, and I'm really actually now looking forward to see where they go in this series like Peggy was also another standout for me the Hawkeye episode like yeah man I I just I really had a blast with it and it was um it was cool that was animation because I feel like obviously they could do a lot more with the animation than they could with the live action Mm -hmm. um so uh yeah man it uh it worked for me I'll give it like a I'll give it a b a b plus a b plus from your boy yeah
1: yeah yeah and it's it's funny I share a lot of the same sentiments as you try is I found myself enjoying it more and more as it went and then on retrospect, I'm thinking, yeah, I love the zombie episode. Yeah, I love the Captain Carter. The Killmonger episode's great. The only one I didn't like was the Doctor Strange one. I found it just to be like this repetitive, like, we're going and in and a circle here, here. over yeah. and over, right? And there was like, yeah. we're in the same spot for way too long Yeah, for like a 30, 40 minute episode. But I like how he came back. Oh, yeah. And became like a real force behind the Guardians of the Multiverse, which I, th- I thought was really cool. And mm-hmm. seeing Ultron win here and that continuation of that story the thor episode too i was a big fan of it it's a goofy party episode yeah tons of awesome little cameos in there and i just love how it was all kind of put together there was something about each episode that i found really unique and it was i think the thor episode comes after the i can't remember the order but anyways that's when everything really started to pick up for me maybe Mm -hmm. the zombie episode and it just i was just started to have fun with it and, Mm -hmm. and tried to just accept what it was this what if but then once we got to the bigger story i was like okay i'm kind of digging this and there's obviously a tease for a tony gamora story that i believe would have been like the 10th episode or an episode stuck in there and that's likely going to go in because that was kind of a weird thing in here too it's like all of a sudden there's this gamora and tony who we've never met Mm -hmm. and it seemed like something was missing from the series and i believe there is a 10th episode that is missing or an episode i will say that is missing from that that we'll actually probably revisit a little bit more down the line do
0: you guys notice with the tony the line that he was always dying like no matter what universe like tony was always kind of off i thought that's kind of an interesting like little mm. like detail in each well, universe there
1: yeah and that that's also the doctor strange episode too right where his girl always dies and mm-hmm. i i kind of like that uh, about putting in like a, a somewhat of a mechanism for Tony always dies, right? Mm-hmm. We can't have a Tony beyond this point in the universe. Yes. And I thought that was a cool way to say, okay, here is some of the safeguards we're going to put up. Now, arguably, you could go back and get a younger Tony Stark, <laughs> but you're not going to get that Tony Stark beyond that point in time, mm-hmm. which I thought was was a cool way of, of setting up what eventually are going to have to be some of the mechanisms to keep the, the whole multiverse together and all that. I, I think I'm in that B-plus arena as well. It's not stellar. And I agree with you on the animation setbacks is that it seemed that the characters that are doing the voice acting, they could get their likeness and the characters that they weren't, they didn't have their likeness. So I don't know if that's, I don't even know if that's true across the board, but it seemed that some people, yeah, just didn't work and others like Bozeman was pretty on point and Michael B was like awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and I, and like, I, like you said, I like that that bozeman actually had a a nice arc in here as well so one question i have for you guys does what if and what's happened in what if with the watcher and ultron and the multiverse and how it was explained and how it was a bit deconstructed is there any carryover from the show is there any deeper meaning to the show you think in the grand narrative of the mcu carlos does this show have any impact On No Way Home or Loki or anything like that beyond maybe a drop line? Or is this simply a what if? Uh,
2: I I think it'll be something that functions in the background of the overall storytelling for the MCU. And it'll enhance something that people in the know or people that um, have dove into what if can enjoy with these live action projects. But I don't think that it's going to fundamentally inform anything mm-hmm. in the live action space you might get a cameo of one of these characters in like a big ensemble type of thing like if we have a another massive Endgame style um, mm-hmm. mashup you might see somebody there if they do do something in that secret war space I could see like a Captain Carter popping up there or something of that nature but uh, yeah for now I think it just kind of operates as a supplement to the things that they were doing in Loki. And both Mm. of those things will kind of operate in the background of the grander MCU.
1: Yeah, and it also gives an avenue for making more plastic for us because you saw that they dropped that Peggy or Captain Carter Winter Soldier look. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In the fig space. (laughs) So Troy, is there any characters from What If, speaking about the grander MCU, is there any characters from What If that you would love to see pulled out of there and like Carlos said, dropped into live-action, whether it's Secret Wars or it's something down the road inside of Loki or the Multiverse of Madness. Is anyone going to show up? Is is see evil Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness?
0: Oh, yeah, that's him in uh, No Way Home. That's him. That's Doctor Strange right there. Oh, there it is. (laughs) No, No, for me, um, Captain Carter, for sure. I I, I loved her whole look, whether it's the Winter Soldier costume or original. I thought she was awesome. Zombie Hunter Spider-Man, I think he's just brilliant. And, um... Yeah, I'm going to go with that uh, – oh, well, then the Star-Lord T'Challa as well mm-hmm. and the Doctor Strange. Um, I just think that kind of evil tone – well, I guess he's kind of come down a little bit. But I, I like the uh, the overall look of him, so I'd go with those four I would like to see in uh, live action somehow. But I think – I don't know. I don't know if it will ever actually really connect because I feel like even like the Disney Plus shows are like pretty big into the actual MCU world. But even that will have some sort of separation just for – biggest audience isn't all watching those shows mm-hmm. and the movies. So I feel like to ask them to watch also the what if is like a big, a yeah. big, uh a big what if. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, um I, I don't think it's going to step too, too much, but I do like that idea that Carlos brought up. Like if we got like the battle world secret wars and one of them popped up, I think that would make a lot of sense mm-hmm. actually. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. No love for the Paul Redhead? <laughs> oh yeah. That, that's, <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> That was weird. The cave.
0: He actually rocked the cave more than Spidey did. Yeah,
1: (laughs) he did. That was one of the things. Decisions in that episode. I'm like, ah, I don't know, but sure. (laughs) Paul Rudd floating around my head. If anyone can pull it off, it's Paul Rudd. It's, you know what i would love to see because we did
0: get the the zombie sequence of iron man show up in far mm. from home i would love to see the zombie cap pop up live action because oh. his look is just like terrifying and that's a cartoon god knows what he'd be like live action
1: yeah oh, that'd be so good i got the lego mini of that mm. <laughs> so, so pretty, good. Pump, pretty pump. <laughs> well it is guys it's a i guess a b is the average rating in there just slightly over a b so go check out what if it is. It's a fun ride. And to be honest with you, I think this one out of any show, I appreciated saving a couple episodes to watch in a row. It's it just I was easily I think I digested it a bit better kind of watching, you know, one or two or two or three episodes back to back. And they are not short episodes either. They're right. They're not like a, your 20 minute cartoon. You know, some of these are pushing 40 minutes. So it is a bit of a time commitment to get into it, but some great content there and a real holdover between all the MCU content that we're getting in front of us. We've got Eternals coming up here in a couple weeks, Hawkeye at the end of November, and then of course, No Way Home towards the end of December. So there's going to be no shortage of MCU discussion and content, but a lot of that's going to have to wait until we get there because I think from this point forward, gentlemen, the nerd room is gonna be all about DC for the rest of the episode, except for our weekend nerd, and also into next week with DC fandom. But before we get to the, any of that hype, we gotta talk about another major announcement coming out of DC, a landmark announcement, if you will, especially inside of the the comic book industry and within comic book history. So Jonathan Kent, and you guys can help contextualize this a bit for me i'm just going to read kind of what was put out there by tom taylor so he's the son of clark kent so superman here and lois lane he has recently come out as being bisexual inside of the pages of dc comics this was announced by dc the publisher there on monday which was also national coming out day and i want to read a quote here from the author tom taylor who is writing this, and this is coming out in Superman's Son of Kal-El number five. So he writes, I've always said everyone needs heroes and everyone deserves to see themselves in their heroes. And I'm very grateful DC and Warner Brothers share this idea. Superman's symbol has always stood for hope, for truth, for justice. Today, that symbol represents something more. Today, more people can see themselves in the most powerful superhero in comics. Now, the reason I wanted to read that is because unequivocally i share this opinion from tom taylor that seeing yourself represented in a superhero or inside of media is so important and dc has done such a great job as we've talked about for the past year or two is giving characters that people can see themselves and representing the full spectrum of the world and give another base another foundation for more people to get into these comic books and see themselves represented inside of this medium so i want to go to you first here carlos i know you guys both touch on john kent once in a while this statement this release and this book what are your thoughts on it and how important it is
2: man it's huge and uh huge props to dc not only for doing it um But doing it as well as they did because they, uh, having been with John Kent basically from his inception until this news on Monday, uh, they built it slowly and they built it well. So there was a point in time during Bendis' run last year, maybe even the year before, where John goes into a time vortex and he has all these experiences and he's actually tortured for a bit and whatnot. But he ends up aging up, so he leaves his parents as like an 8 or 10 year old boy and comes back as like an 18, 20 year old um, man kind of thing. And they do just such a great job of giving him his own agency and um, making him a superhero in his own right. And then flash forward to kind of where they're at right now with the books is that uh, Batman believes that he's conceivably more powerful than Superman and the Superman Son of Kal-El book is your Superman book and Jonathan Kent is going to be the Superman of Earth. Clark is going off, I think as of this week um, and he's going to be off world and he's going to be on War World for the foreseeable future. So it's amazing that not only did they have him come out of the closet, but he's completely out of his dad's shadow and he is the Superman mm-hmm. for the world kind of thing. And uh, like Tom Taylor said, like that S is a pretty powerful symbol like you can make Hulkling gay and it doesn't really mean anything because it's like this scrawl character and you can ignore it. But like when you have Superman and the Superman of the Justice League and um, of planet earth being bisexual and it's a, it's a pretty meta story to have like the Superman character is traditionally a character who's kind of meek and mild on the outside, but has this internal power that's unleashed with that shirt rip. Right. So To just have that, right? Because there's, yeah, sure, John Kent is a different character than Clark Kent, but you say Superman, everybody thinks shirt gets ripped open and you got that big S Mm -hmm. there, right? Showing your internal power. So I think that's amazing. And like I said, when we talked about Tim Drake a few years or weeks ago, like the LGBTQ community has been huge for comic books and has really kept the lights on in a bunch of stores and really propped up the industry. So the publishers need to respect that and need to give folks characters that they can get behind. And, and even if you don't belong to that community, John Kent is just a great freaking character. Yeah. So yeah, have at you. And it's, and it's cool that they built to it so naturally and so powerfully. And like, honestly, he's one of my favorite characters going right now. So yeah, bring on issue five when that happens and issue four, I think next week. So Yes, yeah, so it's coming
1: here very quick. And I want to touch on that too and, and throw it to you, Troy. This mm-hmm. symbol of hope. It's most recognizable, one of the most recognizable symbols on planet Earth is that Superman S. And now this having a much bigger meaning behind it, even, I think is is so, so important. So what what are your thoughts here, man? It's 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 a it's a big move and I really like what you're saying here, Carlos, that it's natural, it's organic, right? This isn't shoehorned, this isn't forced, this is part of a bigger story, which I think is important as well.
0: Yeah, no, you know, it's funny, when I first heard the headline, because everyone, you know, all the headlines was like, Superman comes out by, and I was like, whoa, this is crazy, because um, how they are they, they going to pull this off? Because I'm thinking Clark Kent, you know what I mean? And and Carlos has been telling me all these good things about Jonathan Kent's um Superman book so when I read the headlines I'm like oh it's Jonathan I'm like okay so I see what they did there because it's kind of like a, a little clickbaity a lot of the headlines right because they're kind of leading you mm-hmm. as if it's Clark and then you're reading it, like, it's Jonathan Kent and I'm like okay this is great because I've heard nothing but good things about the book and I still remember when this character was introduced way back when um, well I guess his rebirth but I can't remember if he was born when he was going by Clark White and Lois White I can't remember if Jonathan was even born
2: yeah John was point. there but they were in their they were they were living in secret, right? Because exactly they weren't yeah. supposed to exist in the New 52 world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But to see the growth of this character has been something. Because I remember like the Super Sons book has been has really, – it's been a highlight. And then he's been sent off with um, – Carlos, you mentioned – what was it? um el right? It? Took him. jor Yes. Yes. And then he ages up and then he's come back and he's doing his thing. And I, and I think it's great. It's like it's no different when they did it with Iceman. Well, both Iceman and then when they did it with Tim Drake obviously um so I'm I'm all about it it's cool my only thing is is let's keep the same energy going so the next time dc is like hey a black guy is now your batman let's let's support mm-hmm. this when when you get your next you know your chinese superman let's support this cuz it's been really cool because i've seen on the internet the energy's been great. Like a lot of yeah. people are backing this. I'm like, this is the best response I've ever seen actually coming out of any kind of um, change when it comes to a superhero. So I just feel like let's keep this energy going across the board with all of these heroes because I I love where DC's going. DC's been mm-hmm. great with all this stuff, and it's not like they have like this mandate of like let's do this each year. Like we just got mm-hmm. the Tim Drake, and we're getting this. So I think it's it feels more organic that way. As yeah. opposed to like these check boxes, right? So um, this is this is a great this is this is a win, man. This is cool. This
2: is good. Man, and and in retrospect, like we hit Future State hard on this show, and like we like we both like just gushed about it every week of the six or eight weeks that it came out. I can't remember because my wallet was so destroyed during that time. <laughs> but uh, it's cool that you you kind of know what they're building to, right? Like we mm-hmm. know that Jace is not going anywhere. But we didn't, the thing we didn't know was like, what happens to Bruce? And now we know that Bruce is like, shoot, you know what, man? I can't do the Gotham thing anymore. And like, he's still around. If you want to yeah. read Bruce Wayne comics, he's Batman, but he's just in London or wherever he's going to be. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, if you want Batman in Gotham city, like I let you know, like the, <laughs> I am Batman book is absolutely <laughs> the best Batman book being published on the reg. It, like it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Take your nose out of your ass and read that book. Cause it is. Well, yeah. Awesome. It's, it,
0: it, and it's, yeah. it's a cool way of changing the status quo as opposed to like when I think Marvel did it, obviously when we got this new line of heroes, right. When we, we got rid of Iron Man, we got Riri, we got rid of Thor when we got Jane Foster and whatever the case is. But here is like DC's kind of doing a really interesting thing where it's like, well, we're not getting rid of Clark Kent. Yes. He's just over here and you can still read it. And we're not getting rid of Bruce. He's detective comics. And I don't, I haven't been keeping up with um, Wonder Girl yet, so I don't know what's going to happen with Diana and, uh, and, and Wonder Girl yet, but everything just feels so organic, and it's just so much better that way when it just doesn't yeah. feel like this is just a mandate from the studio of DC. Yeah. So I applaud them big time, man.
1: Yeah, and, and yeah. from standing on the outside, like looking in on a lot of this with DC, because I don't read DC comic books, but that point that you just brought up, Troy, is brilliant because it's, it's not a natural ushering out of one character to replace another right it's literally a growth Mm -hmm. and a diversification of of the universe and i I really like that concept because you're you're not just saying we're replacing this person with this one it's like no like you guys are saying there's they still exist over here this is just a bigger part this world is growing right it's not a finite world where you can only have one Batman and yes. one Superman, right? It is much bigger than that. Like the real freaking world.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd love that they found a space for all of them because they made Nubia actually replaced Hippolyta as the queen of the Amazons. Mm. And that book is a banger. And she's like, it, it's one of those where you, you didn't know you wanted something until you got it because she is way cooler. And the Amazons are way more interesting than they've been in decades. And then Hippolyta is with the Justice League, because Diana was gone and she just came back this week. I don't know what that story is. And then Yara's kind of doing her thing. So, like you said, like everybody has a space and is doing something, they're telling interesting stories, and yeah, like if you're not checking it out, you're missing out.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm missing out.
2: <laughs> well, and <laughs> I, I and truly it, am I and truly I gotta am. correct you. You say you don't read DC comics, but strange adventures number 12 just hit the shelf today, man.
1: <sighs> I got I'm still on 10. I'm still on 10. It's it's coming. And I've got DC fanatics in the house as well. And and that's the other thing that excites me about, about this, this changing world that we're living in, this world that's moving towards reflecting the world that we live in now, which is amazing, is that my kids get to grow up eventually and pick up these comic books where, you know, we, we talk about this. This is this is a big thing. I, I want to eventually get to a space where this is the norm. Like yes. the, the comic books are the norm. This is the norm. There's an African-American Superman. There's this, there's that. There's the other thing, right? It's not this thing that becomes this event. It's cool that it's an event, but when my daughters are picking up comic books, I want them to be flipping through and just be like, yeah, this is like my friend or this, you know what I mean? It's yeah. that, that reflection isn't something that we have to draw attention to anymore. It's just mm-hmm. embedded in culture. It's embedded in the comic books. And, yeah. and they, they won't know any different. Exactly. That's the beauty. When yes. they're our
2: age, they won't know any different.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. I got goosebumps thinking about it, guys. Like this That really excites me. Like I said, this, all really excites me. So let's let's keep the hype train going for for DC, man. My heart is pounding, <laughs> thinking about what's coming up this weekend. And I, I got something up here, guys. I got something. I just want to pull up here. We are as we record. We are three days, thirteen hours, forty nine minutes, and fifty three seconds away <laughs> from DC Phantom. <laughs> so <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. And I'm I'm at hype level twelve for this. Look, we got another awesome trailer. Dropped on us a couple days ago. With that came the stinger of the Batman trailer is coming. We've got Dwayne The Rock Johnson out here dropping rap albums, going to number one in anticipation of Black Adam here. like Side missions.
2: (laughs) DJ cleaning up the side missions.
1: He's he's a god even before he takes the, the proper mantle of Black Adam in film. We've got Keaton and Flash and everything going on there. The potential for Aquaman. And that's just the big screen stuff. Shazam, that's just a big screen stuff. There's the comic books, DC superhero girls, the Titans, everything is firing and everything is going to find its space inside DC fandom. And we're going to be doing some cool stuff here. We've got some ideas for our own content here in the nerd room, but we're also going to be dropping in on the house of nerd for their live stream during the event. So we're going to be dropping in there, periodically, to give our thoughts and pains live. We're going to be hopping on. Let's go live right after DC fandom and having a discussion with our good friends over there, Emmett and Chris and the Vigilante Boys. Everyone's going to be up there, and I'm sure everyone's going to be hyped. But before we get to any of that stuff, we got to see DC fandom. So I got I got to ask here, guys, Troy. We've got yep. all this stuff in front of us. DC Fandom, like you've mentioned before, was a real hit with us because we've had so much fun with that experience it together. But, but what is the thing that you are most excited about for for DC Fandom? Is it the Batman? Is it the event itself? Is there something in comics that you want to see more? Let me hear. It. You don't have to limit to one thing. Let's mm. let's talk about what excites you about DC Fandom.
0: Todd McFarlane. No, um, hopefully all hopefully, those ways, <laughs> all those ways, man. I want to see it. 800%, 800%. Yeah. No, but um, yeah, you know what? Um, I think I hoped for it last year and maybe I'll come true this year. I hope we get a trailer Or an announcement for Injustice 3, the video game. I think it's time. I think we're ready. We got the next gen. Carlos, you got your PS5. I got my PS5. It's ready to take it up to another notch and get Injustice 3. So hopefully they announce that. Um, The comic book space, I mean, it's been such a good year already. So um, I hope they continue that same energy going forward. Um, The Flash, I would love to have a look at the Flash movie in the Keaton suit and the Affleck suit and the bike. I'm I'm just being greedy. I want it all. I want more of that Aquaman new uh, costume. I want to see more of that. Obviously, I want to see more of Pattinson. Um, maybe we'll even get another look at the um the Suicide Squad video game, possibly yeah, Gotham so. Knights, it- obviously as well. Yeah. So uh, there's just a lot, a lot to go off of. But um, I'm just excited for the overall rent- event because I remember last year, like the four of us, including Sanjay, we were DMing hard back and forth with all the exciting news and it was, it was a blast. And that was last year in some pretty hard COVID times. Um, And I think they did an excellent job. So I can only imagine how well they're going to execute it this year. Mm -hmm. So uh, no, all around them, it just, I'm super excited. I just love this fandom space and I love what they're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Now, Carlos in that huge spectrum that Troy just laid out in front of us, whether it's TV, film, video games, cartoons, figures, what is it that excites you? I like, I have an idea, but but let's let's bring some more goddamn Batman context to this one.
2: Oh man, like I don't want to be that guy, like having got Be, that, up guy. With be it. that guy. But it's like <laughs> man, I just like my hype for the Flash just does not stop. I'm like Barry Allen on that freaking cosmic treadmill and I'm going places, man, like because it's like you have all these rumors percolating now that Gal Dot's going to show up or Jason Momoa and that they might be using it as a bit of a, uh, a cornerstone for what they're going to be doing with the Justice League going forward. So that's cool. But then even outside of that, like just getting a bit of the tone for... What Michael Keaton's Batman's gonna be like, and what the Flash is gonna be like, and what Sasha Kaye's Supergirl is gonna be bringing to the DC space, and then like Affleck running around, and like you got JLo Lo walking all over the place with Batman t shirts. Like there's something happening with this whole thing, and it all spins around the Flash. So like that's huge, and then like like you said, DJ having the number one song in the world. Like, that goes to show the level of this guy's stardom. So just imagine. Like, he he freaking hung his hat in the house of DC. So mm-hmm. Black Adam and DC Super Pets, like, those are his babies. And he can't let them fail. And seeing that this guy can execute like nobody else, I'm pretty hyped. I did see some teaser images. Or not teaser images, some spy pictures of just, like, the costuming for Hawkman, and it absolutely blew my mind. Whoa. Like, it, it was, like, nothing I've ever seen before. So to see Aldous Hodge and just that helmet that they had, sit, like, they had just a rack of helmets, and I was like, oh, if I could steal one of these, I would in a second, because <laughs> they were just beautiful. And then I don't know if you guys caught today, but, like, they've been sending out little invitations to people in the gaming community and, like, uh, Twitch guys and stuff like that, but invitations and they open up these boxes and it's a a welcome to the court of owls and they're getting these ceramic masks and invites and stuff. So that was pretty cool. And then the Rocksteady Suicide Squad account posted a phone number. And if you phone the number or text it, you get clapped back by Amanda Waller. And so you either get like an angry voicemail back from her or you'll get like, uh, text asking for your Argus clearance and stuff like that, and to register. So I thought that was a cool piece of viral marketing. It kind of took me back to the Dark Knight days, with people chasing cell phones all over the place and whatnot. So, yeah, man, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be something special. And uh, Timbo, I'm gonna let you take it away with the with the Batman, because that's you know- that's your baby almost more than mine, man. <laughs> Man, I'm
1: so stoked to see what the next iteration of the Batman trailer is going to be. We haven't seen anything for a year out of this film. And what we saw last year was one of the best trailers of the year. And it was based off of 25% of the footage. Like this past week, Lego drops all of the the sets they're putting out with that Technic Batmobile, the smaller scale Batmobile, all those mini figs. It's like... Okay, this is this is starting to get real, guys. You got Lego sets now. No McFarlane waves are, are coming. Look yeah. out, oh. look out. But that trailer, it's there's something about what Matt Reeves is putting together that has got me immensely excited for that universe again. I, you know, Affleck is great in that role, but it was never something I was like really chomping at the bit for. The last time I really wanted to see Batman was at the tail end of Nolan stuff, right? I kind of came in 2008 in a big way with the Dark Knight, with everybody else. And then I had a huge anticipation running into Rises in 2012 alongside of Avengers. And I've got this you know, new feeling of excitement for what the Batman could be. And this trailer is, I think, really what's going to send it off. But I will also say the intrigue and mystery around The Flash has also got me up to 10. Like, there's a lot we don't know. And it, it's very curious. You look at all of these properties, guys there is not a lot out there for any of them when it comes to marketing. Like half of these films are done filming are in well into the editing stage. And we haven't seen much other than a few shots of some suits and concept art. They're saving some powder for this weekend. Mm -hmm. Like I would say that we at a minimum get three to four new trailers or teasers in some way for DC properties. And I would say the Batman gets it, Black Adam, the Flash, potentially Aquaman, maybe Shazam, kind of outliers there. And that's just the film stuff. And we know we're getting Peacemaker, of course.
2: Yeah. One, yeah. that looks hilarious. And Yeah. Oh man, it's going to be you so cool. You will get Joker, Joker 2, and he talks. Ooh. Ooh.
1: Because that's the thing that I guess we haven't speculated on, mm. is what's the stuff they're not telling us? right like is there anything out there that they aren't telling us is the Joker 2 gonna get some space is there a Nightwing movie coming that we don't know about like what's out there that we don't know about or do you think this is formed in a way that it's expanding the knowledge of the things that we already know
2: one Batgirl is like well into production as is Blue Beetle if I'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's rumors about Zatanna well and Steven Soderbergh himself said that he's doing Metal Men (laughs) <laughs> so metal men from the guy that did Adam's family and men in black, like that's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. So, yeah. We could get something in that space. Um, yeah. We, we, yeah. we don't have, as of this recording, we don't have the,
1: the breakdown of what's going to be shown. We don't have the agenda, if you will, for DC fandom. So we know all these properties cause they're on the poster are going to be shown. But my hope is fingers crossed. There is a future of DC, panel where they talk about what is next for this universe Mm. right and you've mentioned this time and time again carlos we're coming into this fandom even compared to last fandom where we have how many in production things how many wrapped production ready to go with release dates set that aren't moving there's a lot more certainty built up around this dc fandom particularly in the arenas that we cover with the live action films and tv shows and that like, the difference a year has made for this company is incredible.
2: Yeah, like, honestly, the craziest thing to me is that we're talking about the Batman trailer drop-in and that that's going to probably be their crown jewel of this fandom again. But at the same token, that is literally their next project at mm-hmm. bat in the big screen space. So that's cool. It's not like they're trying to prop everything else up on Batman's shoulders. It's like, well, no, that's just our next movie that's out of the shoot, right? Which yeah. is amazing. So, yeah, like we have a couple months and then we get a Peacemaker show and then like a month after that we get the Batman and, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. And that's to say nothing for like the kids' properties. Like yes. Batwheels, like you got Ethan Hawke messing in that and and it's cool and like I'll tell you right now, my nephews and their friends are crazy for Paw Patrol and for Imagine X Batman. So smashing those two things together, mm-hmm. that's brilliant. And DC Super Pets, I think, is going to be a big deal. Yep. A big deal. It will be in this house. animals. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, look out, man. No. <laughs> look
1: out. <laughs> this is really the, the unofficial unveiling party of the new DC, I think, is with fandom. Like, there's, there's so much, and... We've talked a lot about DC's big pivot post Saxon's Justice League. Not to say that anything bad about Saxon's Justice League, but there's definitely been a different presentation in everything across the board for DC once they got out of that. And now the pandemic has to play into that about what's moved around and what they've been able to shoot. But there's a different feel to this DC, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that excites me the most. And look out, guys. The next couple of weeks, I'm not kidding, is going to be completely consumed by DC here. The amount of content that we're going to get and we're going to cover and we're never going to be yelling and screaming about online, on the podcast, in our friend shows. Let's go, the Vigilante Boys over at House and Nerd. Go plug into so all those guys, subscribe to their channels, because that's where we're going to be hanging out and getting that first release out, undoing the pressure a little bit. And then, guys, we're going to be coming back here and breaking it all down and all the detail that we and that you are going to need for DC fandom and the future of DC, man. It looks brighter than ever. Whew. Man, I don't know how I'm going to come down for that. But <laughs> I do know one way to actually maybe carry it on for the rest of the show, and that's getting to some talk on some plastic. So, guys, let's finish this episode up with our Weeks in Nerd. so this is me in my more calm down state i'm here to talk about action figures so guys troy i want to go to you first yeah man you've always got something interesting going on some interesting project whether it's it's looking at customizing a freaking hot toy (laughs) (laughs) who who customizes a hot toy
2: A madman, a madman, that's true.
1: (laughs) So I want to hear a little bit about that. You had posted some stuff online a week or two ago, but we never got to touch on it. (laughs) But yes, I I want to hear about that and what you've been doing in your past week here when it comes to toys, plastic, comics collecting, whatever.
0: Yeah, man, yeah. Well, you know what? It's been been super late. I uh, Literally this week, I picked up nothing. But that's not to say I didn't have any fun with Nerdum. I had an absolute blast this weekend actually just in the nerd space. Um, something that wasn't nerdy, but it was the 2021 Mr. Olympia and my dude, Big Ramy, won the whole thing. So that was a nice, nice. kickoff. And then I finally got invested in Squid Game. I'm sure everybody oh. out there has heard about it. I don't know if you guys seen it. I'm not going to spoil anything, but this show was the show. Like, <laughs> man, binge the whole thing. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And then I got right down into the comics where it all starts, man. Back to basics. I actually went in and I'm a lot happier about talking about my comic books this week because Nick Spencer is out,
1: <laughs> and man, can it's you happened. ever
0: tell <laughs> cut the check? This guy's gone, and it's issue 75. It's a new event, it's a new footing for for two Spider-Man for Ben Riley, who's I, I love I love Ben Riley, and Peter Parker. And you can just tell the DNA has switched. And um, I, I absolutely love where they're going. Carlos actually touched on it earlier um, on the House of Nerd show, so you can go check those guys out. But I, I really like what they're doing with issue 75, and I got to give Nick Spencer credit because he actually wrapped up 74 in a nice kind of bow. And I actually liked some kind of the some of the retconning that they did. But overall, it's 74 issues of the Kendrick, the Kendrick, the was it the Kendrick, the Kindred uh, saga, which is really really weird. I did the comics, I did Batman, I'm all caught up. The Batman, I think it's 13 and 14 I read. It's mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Like the art continues to be just amazing. Um, I love this whole uh, kind of new Bat family that we have going on right now where it's 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 Batman and it's Miracle Molly. And she's she's a really cool presence. But I love the magistrate of what's going on there and seeing these two um, I can't remember the the two cops, these super soldier cops. Oh, that like were going Peacemaker
2: at it. One and Peacemaker yeah.
0: X. X. Oh my gosh! Like the fight sequence between these guys, because I was like, "How is Bruce going to get out of this one?" But see these guys go toe to toe was like, "Oh, it's uh, it was it was something special." Um, I think I did Thor. I did. Um, I'm saving Nightwing. Nightwing's actually next, but the comic books has been great. And then speaking into the comic books. Shout out to the House of Nerd Show, because I watched this show. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know where my kids were, because I was so engulfed in this podcast. <laughs> I should have been watching my kids. I was in the living room just watching this podcast, and big ups to uh, Sergio and Lauren mm-hmm. and Ian, and obviously our dude, the goddamn Batman aka Bruce, aka the Cape Crusader, aka the Brave and the Bold, cause this guy is making appearances everywhere <laughs> on the podcasting space. And it was so cool just to see our dude on the show just like spinning that knowledge and mm-hmm. representing the nerd room. and then hearing that comic talk of you guys going in was was crazy. It actually made me put on pause the show because I had to go back and take a step back. so I didn't finish Batman at this point. So I put you guys on pause, finished the Batman press play and finished up the show and i was like right in there and um it was it was just it was a fantastic time and seeing like the statues everybody's collections out there was like Mm -hmm. mind-blowing and then i love your guys' segment that you guys had going on the uh the copper or copper drop i was like this is this is really cool and just going in with those comic books so it was uh it's a great time so definitely go over there and check out the guys at uh the guys and gals at the house of House of Nerd show. So um that's great. So that was my weekend. It was just hardcore into that kind of stuff. And it was uh no plastic, no plastic for me this week, but um I'm sure I'll get back at it oh, yeah. uh next week.
1: Definitely, oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I gotta e- echo that Troy. The appearance of the goddamn Batman hero with yeah. House of Nerd it was great. I watched it live as well. We were cooking Thanksgiving. Dinner or get it all prepped. And I actually got a little emotional when I saw Carlos and I was crying. And my wife took a, a video of it and sent it to, to Carlos and his wife. And I had all these tears going down my face. It was, it was quite, uh, had nothing to do with the onions I
2: was cutting. But... I was going to say, <laughs> great. And man, so distracting because like my phone is going off. And then I can hear my wife like cackling like a hyena upstairs. And I like, I'm not reading it, but I just kind of see like Tim's name and, his wife's name. And I was just like, what's going on? And why do I know that they're making fun of me right now? But, uh, yeah. it was all good. No. And thanks for the, for the props on that show. And yeah, shout out to Sergio and Lauren for having me on it. Uh, it was a blast. And of course, getting to, getting to collab with our man, Ian Tokyo, mm-hmm. Joey himself. That was
1: awesome. that, yeah, man. That's like totally a big cameo.
2: Control. That's like an MCU cameo. I was like,
1: what?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was just, he was like, uh, Alfred Molina. Hello, Peter. Yeah, <laughs> it was so well executed by Sergio
1: too. Just seeing Ian pop up. I remember, whoa, I was really jealous. <laughs> but <laughs> it's all good now, Carlos. Man, let's let's continue this. What you what you get up to this week, other than appearing across the board on every yeah.
2: podcast? Yeah, man, and and you know what? Just to kind of tie that off, I gotta say the highlight for my week in Nerd, was after the camera stopped rolling, Sergio shared a little story with me, and honestly, man, like it was a pretty special moment. It was pretty cool. Like I'm not going to disclose it here, but it was it was awesome, and it was nerd related and just a, a cool thing. And it gave me that gave me that vibe. It made me feel like Bruce and uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League saying, "This is why I brought you all together." So, yeah, man, it, it's cool, man. I, I could die tomorrow when Troy comes down here, suits up, and off we go. Next Batman. It's going oh. on. It's going on. But, uh, yeah, so outside of that, uh, ironically, there was a bit of a drunk eBay buy the weekend before. And then uh, in light of our Venom Let There Be Carnage review, The irony was delicious as I opened the box of said drunk by and I have agent (laughs) anti-venom within the box. So my obviously in my uh, stupor, I could not live without my boy Flash Thompson rocking that white costume. And uh, that was pretty cool. It was it was pretty cool to get and um, to land it for a half decent price from a lady in Ontario was pretty sweet. So. Yeah, he's here and he he's rocking. But I gotta keep that guy in the box because his box is actually cool. Like <laughs> I, I, Agent Venom, they he literally they had a recycled Spider-Man box that they st- <laughs> <laughs> they printed a thing on the back saying like, "Yeah, we know the build the figures on there. This guy's not part of it." And uh, yeah, just we had to get it to you somehow. But uh, this guy comes in the nice, cool 80th anniversary box with some nice uh, artwork on the sides and stuff like that. So that was cool. And then to I know I said it during our fandom talk. I didn't want to be that guy, but uh, I sent a picture to the boys and uh, in my (laughs) trunk was a quarter scale Michael Keaton Batman from NECA. And man, this thing is cool. It's cool. Like it's this big, immense, meaty Michael Keaton Batman. And in all his glory. And he's got like that NECA style into him. So much like the... Turtles, both in that six-inch space and in the quarter scale, like they just nailed the look of the character. Did a great job realizing the armor and like, of course, Keaton's face is really unique. So did a good job with that too. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. And I'll actually post some pictures of him in the the nerd room Instagram and uh, make good on my promise to finally crack open the Catwoman out of Ooh, her yeah. box. Oh. I know, oh, but at least like Tim, you saw when you came to my house, I pulled it down for you and you can appreciate why I haven't cracked that box open yet. Yeah. Because <laughs> their box it's... Is, is cool. <laughs> the way they put her together.
1: Man. And that's, that's the thing sometimes with these NECA figures is there's, it's the only box I still keep is most of my NECA stuff. Like everything's yeah. out, but like the, the turtle box are cool. The back to the future boxes they are all the flip open. Ah, they do such a good job in their packaging.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it it was funny because like in uh pilfering all those uh black series figures that uh marty's obviously bought off somebody that you guys have both dipped into and i ended up finding a sabine in there so my yeah my kid grabbed sabine and it was such such a difference as i'm like looking for the tactical way to open the keaton box without like messing it up too much and she's just like rip (laughs) this thing is (laughs) going in the recycling as fast as it can (laughs)
1: It's, it's funny when you said the dm i saw the keaton and i was thinking there's a sabine sitting there <laughs> I, like, yeah, I love how that anytime you go anywhere now you come home with a star wars piece of merchandise
2: now i know i keep getting told i'll be getting paid back for them but uh, yeah
1: i haven't seen seen anything someday man. someday just, just getting paid back in love Yep, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, this week I I was kind of all over the place when it came to the plastic. I had some EJ, eBay purchases coming in. I had a Kijiji pickup that I also was super excited about that ended up in the nerd room just almost on a whim. But one of the things that I really enjoyed this week was something I experienced with a goddamn Batman here, and that's a little poster hunting oh, over yes. at Virtual Con with Bottleneck Gallery. And they were dropping prints fast and furious, and it was it was almost a little bit of nerd harassment,
2: Carlos. <laughs> oh, it, it was targeted, totally <laughs> no. targeted. Like you can break down the drop, but like any oh. listener to the show will say that, oh yeah, they were they were <laughs> directly attacking Tim and Carlos.
1: What was it? Day one, it was an animated Batman, yes. like a Batman the animated series print. It was a Jurassic. No, what was this? first day it was the empire strikes back star wars
2: yeah and spider-man
1: and spider-man yes the spider-man dan mumford set spider-man that looks so cool and very very similar to the turtles print i have so that's day one drop and i'm thinking okay carlos you got a new hope i'm probably not gonna dip into this empire strikes back one i look at it i'm like good lord i need this print (laughs) (laughs) like it was it's such a gourd go over the bottleneck you can see they're all sold out now but Holy that uh, Empire, and, and it really got me thinking about like why I love Empire so much. And it's because it does so much for that universe. It goes to so many different planets. It like explodes the concepts around the Force and introduces the bounty hunters. And you get so much from that. It's such a diverse film that you look at each little panel that they have in there, and it's something different. They're on Hoth. They're on Dagobah. They're at Bespin. They're you know you see the Falcon in the the meteor field and. There's just so much going on there, Vader. Everything. It's just like, yeah, I need this print for for my room. And then the next day rolls up, and what did they have? There's a Jurassic Park print. Mm-hmm. What was the other? There was there was the Spider Man covers. Oh, yes, the Spider Man, the Venom covers. Yeah. <laughs> and then the following day, there's a Back to the Future drop. And so it's like, <laughs> come on. So I I was able to pump the brakes in the Back to the Future, but I did pick up. Another JP print from Bottleneck Gallery. It was a split print between them and Vice Press. So two great studios. I got pictures from or prints from both of them. And this JP print is awesome. It's got this like huge scoping view of the island in the foreground. You see kind of the the sign, the East Dock sign, and some of the eggs. And you look down, you can see the gate and the car and the and the uh, command center and all that. It's just this really cool print. And I decided, you know what. I need this too. So here we are a couple of days later. And Carlos and I both have what we ended up two prints each from bottleneck galleries over their virtual con. So man, the print game is strong here. I've, I've really, I think I can consider myself an art print collector. That'll be number four or number three and four coming to the house in the last year.
2: <laughs> yeah. There you go, man. There, I told you it's a dangerous game. Cause once you, once you tap that vein, it doesn't stop, man. It doesn't no. stop.
1: No, and if Dan Mumford puts out a Ghostbusters or something else, look out. I'm coming for it. <laughs> he's got a, a style and an art that is just so enthralling to me. This, like, villains-focused prints that he's doing with your protagonist in the foreground with his back turn. I'm loving the look of that. Like, there's an animated series that you pointed out to me. Oh. It was like, if this had to drop today, I would have bought it too
2: oh the batman one that he did that we found in the archives like that Uh, that one is that might (laughs) actually be my favorite like obviously there's some bias there but like the batman one was just stunning gorgeous
1: absolutely gorgeous and then you know guys we we have i'm sure you guys have some time in the evening you kind of filter through kajiji once in a while no we all do it right as you're perusing sometimes someone just pops up you say i need this and mine came in the form this week of a 100 hundred dollar ghostbusters vintage lot of figures now i will say when when you're doing these kind of retro collections or this is something i've learned actually is that you have this initial where you kind of buy everything right you buy any figure you can get your hand on you're just trying to build out a foundation for your collection i'm in the phase now with the ghostbusters and turtles where I'm now going back and refining that collection. I'm picking up things to exchange out and I'm going to flip the old stuff. And this lot was very much that. Again, I don't know where this guy had this stuff stored, but it was in excellent shape. I ended up upgrading my Slimer, Marshmallow Man, most of my Fright features figures. I ended up upgrading almost all of them. I got another Ecto-1, another Ecto-2. I'm going to... Polish these up, fix these up a little bit, and I'm going to flip them a little bit later. So my hope is, is that I was able to pick up that lot, replace everything. I also got a bug Eye ghost, which was in excellent condition. And then I can actually flip the other stuff and either make a small profit or even either break even. But I've gone through a phase of of refinement here on on figures. Like even my Peter Venkman, you know, the Fright Features one that everyone knows, Right the one I had was quite worn. They usually get a lot of use out of those, especially those figures, those 87 figures. And this one was stiff jointed with the eyeballs still green and the hair was still intact. No wear on any of these figures. Marshmallow Man was the same. I post some pictures on our Instagram actually. So you can see kind of the difference in some of those figures is you get yellowing a lot of these old figures or, or wear in particular spots. And these ones were, were clean of that. So I was really happy to get an upgrade for a reasonable price. And, These are the type of lots where, when they go up, I just buy them. I don't do any of the stupid Tim haggling where I offer you fifty percent of your ask or that stuff. I just say I'll come get them. I'll come get them today, cash in hand. So sometimes you just you can't you can't barter when the deal is too good because someone else will just buy it. (laughs) (laughs) And then the last thing I got for this week—quite a busy week—but this is a purchase I made a couple, a bit a month or so ago over on eBay, and this is going to fill out my my Pez collection. So. You know, Sanjay dubbed me Mister President quite some time ago, a couple years ago, and I'm slowly getting to the end of the Marvel and Star Wars Pez collections. And there is a piece that I had to add. It's an absurd piece, and it's a piece I've talked about in the past. It is from the Phantom Menace, Episode One. It is a I'm going to show the boys here. It is a ridiculous Jar Jar Binks <laughs> Pez, where it's not a, really a Pez. It's like a, a mechanized little machine almost like a piggy bank where his tongue is this big lashing out thing. It moves, it picks up the, the Pez and slides it across and drops it into your hand. I will post pictures of it on Instagram because I cannot justify how absurd this thing is, (laughs) but it's a Holy grail of mine in, in the Pez collecting because it's this crazy episode one, which I love huge fan of that. And it's Pez. I had to have this in the collection and, you guys can attest right now, live on how absurd this thing
2: is. Oh, it's yeah, it's the the market there. <laughs> yeah, right? <And> it's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, muy
1: muy. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> it's so good, and I was able also to snag a couple extra Pez with those. So I'm only a couple out from. I'm actually really from the single packs. I'm only missing three, and that is the Clone Wars versions of Anakin, Ahsoka, and Obi Wan Kenobi. So I'm almost there, guys. I almost completed another collection inside of 2021 so man diverse weird week for me a lot of stuff coming from different spaces but i had to fill some of that plastic void that troy left out there so hopefully next week for me is a, is a little quieter because you know, <laughs> things get expensive here and there on this stuff so another one guys this is uh, i i always love i always used to say when we did these segments at the top he's to, always used to say this is my most favorite segment and i have to say i almost enjoy it more now where it is in the show and the structure of it because it is a bit freeing to kind of end the week with what is always unique diverse and exciting stories about being out in the hunt whether it is ebake gg in the store on the grind whatever there's always something to fun to talk about here and i love it and we also love hearing what you guys are doing out there if you want to be a part of the hunt the experience just tag us on instagram tag us on Twitter, or you can email us at the and share your experiences on the hunt. So that's it, guys. That's it for this week. You're going to be seeing a lot of us over the next couple of days after this episode drops. Make sure to, like I said, tune into House of Nerd. Go subscribe to their channel. We're going to be popping up there periodically throughout the live stream of TC Phantom. We're going to be doing the wrap up show with Let's Go, the Vigilante Boys, Emmett and, and Chris there on the Let's Go side. And so we'll go check that out and then come back here next week. We're formulating how we want to approach all this. There might be one episode. There might be two episodes, depending on the length. So we will see how our DC fandom coverage rolls out. But one way or another, there is going to be an episode in the feed for you, as there always is on Thursday next week, discussing DC fandom. A lot of stuff happening in the future. Eternals, Ghostbusters Afterlife, all this up from DC fandom. So no shortage of content here, guys in the Nerd Room. And if you'd like to find everything that we do, you can always check us out at the nerdroom.net. And like we said, as we're chronicling this, the hunt is very real. And it's over on Instagram. You can check out some of the stuff that we've picked up recently, including the Ghostbusters and whatever else coming down the pipe here that we've promised to throw up there. It will eventually find its way over on Instagram. So you can follow along with us there. And also, like I said, Twitter, that's where we're going to be really interacting a lot for DC Fandom. that's where we always have those discussions. So our handles are at the end of the episode and you can check us out there. So all that behind us guys and DC fandom on the horizon, we will be back next week. We'll be in the live streams. We're going to be all over the place this weekend, but until then for the nerd room, I'm Tim, I'm Troy and I'm Batman. Oh man. And there's going to be some Batman this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much for entering. The Nerdroom. This has been a Nerdroom podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, Troy the boy 87, Sunjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerdroom, check out the nerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerdroom on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag #wethenerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerdroom on Instagram and Twitter.